0: All right. Thank you. Well, today, good to see you again. Happy New Year. We are, instead of journeying to Acts uh, chapter 15, like many of you probably expected, we're going to take a bit of a departure today. And we're going to do, uh, for the second time in the history of this church, something that we'll do the first Sunday of every year, and that is uh, the State of the Church Address, for lack of a better phrase or uh, way to put it and ultimately what we want to do is journey through uh, why we do what we do and how we got here in the first place to do this because as you guys go out and speak to people or they ask you questions like hey where do you go where do you fellowship Uh, it's great to have some of this information to know really why uh, we are different or what makes us distinct Uh, because in large part a lot of uh, people are going to ask why do you really need another church in Coles County? I mean, there's literally churches uh, all over the place. Do we truly need another place uh, to worship? And the reality is if we did things the exact same way as every other church throughout Charleston, uh, then we should probably just fold it up and go to those other churches. We would be far better off doing that but there are things that make us very distinct and in the body of christ every body part has a different function and so i think it's important for us to go through what makes us distinct what are things that specifically set us apart and so the first question that i put up there is that very thing why do we exist as a church this this body that gathers here what is the purpose of it and why do we uh, congregate now growing up in church as a kid i would hear that uh, the reason we go to church is so people get saved. If you want to get saved, you got to get to church. And while uh, in, in a lot of ways it is wonderful to be able to get saved in church, uh, the reality is scripturally there's no basis that says you must get saved in a church or even that it must be a pastor that leads you to the Lord. But in fact, um, it's a very personal relationship that can happen uh, any place that you're at and so uh, while I am always happy to lead someone to the Lord and we have over the last year had the opportunity to lead several people to Christ it's a wonderful thing I'm happy to get to partake in that but it's not a necessity that happens right here in this place and so one of the biggest reasons why we exist as a church if you would turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 this is the Apostle Paul addressing uh, to the Ephesians their purpose their why behind why they do what they do now in verse 11 he says and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers and so he himself Paul speaking of Christ himself he gave himself the fivefold ministry is what many times it's called of Christ and that is of apostle prophets evangelists pastor and teacher. Notice there's five different functions that come out of Christ himself. But the reason for Jesus giving himself in this way to lead the church is found in verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so the reason we gather is actually to equip you all with the things you need to be able to go out and do ministry wherever you do it at. Now, Many of you are going to want to pump the brakes and go, well, I'm not in ministry, though. Uh, but the reality is you are. <laughs> Everywhere you go, every person you interact with in your workplace, in your home, with your family, you are ministering to someone, whether you look at it that way or not. We just came through an entire holiday season. There were lots of people in and out of your houses or you were in and out of their houses. You were involved in ministry in one way, shape, or another. And so the purpose of the church here for us is to equip you, to give you tools that you need to be able to go into that ministry field that you're in. And so that's the reason why we are different. We are distinct in this, that we teach through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, trying to build a foundation so as you're in your ministry and questions come up or situations come up, you know where you can turn. You can turn to the one that... From the beginning of time, the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's Christ Jesus. And so we hope to, this is a catchphrase for Calvary chapels, simply teach the Bible simply. The idea is to bring to you a verse-by-verse teaching that simply conveys God's Word in a way that uh, I can understand and hopefully you can as well. And so we attempt to do that uh, each and every week, to just come uh, with a message that simply presents the Word of God. It's not something I concocted throughout the week. It's simply God's word presented in an understandable way and then allow him to actually do the work inside you and inside the ministries he's given each of you. And so the idea about this is not to just have knowledge of the word of God. We started in Matthew, sorry guys. We started in Matthew chapter one at the beginning of our church and now we have progressed. I'm having some technical difficulties here. So this is, Hang on, let's just, I'm going to give you a little view of not the best angle. There you go. All right, hopefully that helps. Or I'll try not to move so much. Um, We go through the Word of God, not just simply to give you guys knowledge. If it was just knowledge for knowledge's sake, um, I, I think that it's wonderful to learn things, but we learn the Word of God so we can come to know the God of the Word. That for years of my life, I grew up thinking that this right here was a reference manual. Uh, Whatever proof I had, I could just simply go to the concordance, the word that I'm dealing with, uh, faith or struggles or uh, strife or relationship. I can look that word up, and I can go find all the passages that have to do with that and expect God to then turn around and speak to me through it. While you can do that, and God can speak to you in that way, what I've come to learn through the last five or six years is um, this isn't a reference manual. It's a love letter. (laughs) this is a love letter from the creator of the universe all about a relationship. And so we study the word of God so we can get to know the God of the word. We learn more about his character each and every week as we study through the word of God. And so we seek to do that. We, we strive to teach the entire Bible, believing that it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. So that's Uh, Part of what we do that makes us different. I don't know of any other church in the area that does that. And so we have a very distinct spot and a distinct calling in this at Woodlawn Chapel. Now, the second piece is our church government. Now, this is very popular. Everybody gets excited about church government. Yay, church government. Right. Right. But this is different than many places you might attend, and that is our church government is not congregationally led. We are instead what's known as the Moses model. For Moses, he would take direction from God, and then he would give it to uh, the congregation at large, or through his elders eventually as he appointed 72 elders. As the Moses model, so we attempt to model that as a church. It's pastor-led, board-assisted. Now, as we stand as a new church plant, we are a part of the Parkland Chapel uh, Church, which is in Farmington, Missouri, and they are kind enough to allow us to operate under their uh, business. So under their FEIN number, their 501c3, we don't have our own as of yet. We're hoping to, by the end of 2023, have all that paperwork done with the government, so we stand alone. But in this current time, we have uh, them as a board, and their board consists of Pastor Mike Harrison. You guys met him a few months ago. Uh, Todd McKinney Dave Williams uh, John Bacon and also uh, Eric Schweiss and Eric's picture isn't up there because I didn't have a new picture for him but anyway they operate as uh, our board I I uh, discuss things with them go over financial matters they pray for us they pray for you they they have a, a intentional time they spend praying for each and every one of you as the church grows and so they very much care about the direction of the church and the reason for this uh, while I know many churches are congregationally led, one of the issues is it doesn't always allow the Holy Spirit to really do the directing. And so one of the biggest reasons to go this route is we can be nimble, we can move, and as God leads, as God directs, I can bring things to the board and say this is what I feel like God is directing me to do. How do you feel? They say yes, no, go for it, don't do that. They give me a little bit of direction and spiritual guidance and pray for us, and then we're able to quickly do those things. And so it it makes for a much less cumbersome uh, church government and no business meetings. That's right, you will not have any business meetings. Now, that's not to say if any of you are interested in the finances of the church, our budget, what it looked like last year, what it looks like this coming year, I present all those things to them every month. Uh, We put together a profit and loss statement just like a business, and I present that to them quarterly. So it's very structured and yet it is not uh, cumbersome, and I do not feel the need to gather you together and talk about the color of the chairs, even though I ordered some wrong, or the color of the carpet, all right? So some of those things that have bogged churches down for years and caused tremendous amounts of arguments, uh, we just do not have those things, and so if at any point in time you're interested, feel free to see me. We're always willing to share that information. Now, Thirdly, a thing that sets us apart or makes us different or gives us a distinction is in uh, finances and giving. Uh, We do not ever ask for money. We don't have have or operate any kind of fundraisers. So at no point in time, uh, if we are in need of anything financially, are we going to do a big campaign. There's going to be no thermometers. I wouldn't do a thermometer anyway. I think it's lame. Like the yodeler guys from The Price is Right. So if we do a campaign, which we're not going to do, it's going to be that guy that goes, yulia 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 yulia, and then falls off the cliff because that's just awesome. You know. But we're not going to do that. And part of the reason, it doesn't, again, make passing the plate or that uh, wrong. And none of this, please don't misunderstand. Am I saying other places are doing it wrong? It's just the way God has led us uh, to It's this idea that uh, Psalm chapter 50 verse 10 says that I own the cattle on a thousand hills. That's what God says. So if he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, uh, why is it we continually feel like uh, he's broke or in need of money? God's just bad at dealing with finances. And the reality is he's not. And so any need that we have financially as a group, uh, we take it to Jesus. We lay it at his feet and say, Lord, this is a need we have. If he decides to meet it, then we go forward. If he decides not to meet it, then we wait. And he oftentimes answers our prayers through simply laying things at his feet and allowing him to direct and never making people feel pressured to give, like you must in order to keep up with the person sitting next to you. The other piece of that and the reason to handle it in such a way is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. Do you understand that giving is actually an act of Worship, that it should be something so enjoyable that the fearful that Paul writes is actually the same word as the word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. He wants you to be so excited about writing a check or putting money in an envelope or giving to your favorite cause that you literally, as you put the money in the envelope, just go, ha ha! Praise you, Lord! That's hilarious! Like you are so good to me. This is comical. Why is it comical? Because he gave us everything anyway. And now he's just allowing me to give back what he given me. The question is, uh, we often don't see it like that. Do I have enough faith to believe that this is an act of worship? Do I have enough faith to believe he's going to provide even if I go about things in this manner that he's already said in the Old Testament? Malachi 3.10 says, try me on this. It's the only time in the Bible God says, hey, test me. Give me a little test and see that I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing you won't be able to contain it. Just give it a try. And so, for this reason, we don't hound people, we don't ask for things because it should be an act of worship, and we're thankful for the way God provides. Now, finally thing that hopefully sets us apart and hopefully this is something that continues to grow in us as a church and i want to commend you guys for doing this already is that we strive to be unpretentious the doors open truly anyone can feel like they're welcome and so we want people to come as they are not leave as they were we want to be a place that is unpretentious and so oftentimes as i share with you guys uh, things come across hopefully straightforward oftentimes vulnerable and if it seems like it's uh, vulnerable to you, I can assure you to me sitting here in this spot, it's very vulnerable. But the reality is, as I get to share and experience life, the things the Lord's putting on my heart, it, it, it's, it's me working out my salvation just the same way as he's working it out in you. And so if we can have this as a relationship where it's back and forth, it's, it's unpretentious. I'm not trying to sit up here like I'm God's gift to everything, but instead just very vulnerable, very straightforward. I believe we can continue to create this this nature that Christ wants the shortest verse in the New Testament is John eleven thirty five. 35 it's Jesus wept. All right so here's Jesus the God of the universe crying over the loss of a friend he was vulnerable and he was all powerful and yet he was also very human and very vulnerable and Together we are working out this salvation with fear and trembling is what Paul writes in Philippians 2. We're working this thing out. The idea should be we are working this out together. And I love this, uh, this phrase that I stole off the internet that pretense is birthed out of pride but unpretentious living is the free. So if we desire to be a people that are humble, it, it is birthed out of living unpretentiously. Not better than anyone, welcoming everyone. Again, coming as they are, not leaving as they were. All right, so that's a little bit about what makes us uh, distinct. Now then, moving on to the next topic, uh, how in the world did we get here? Some of you are wondering that right now. How, how did we get here? How did we end up in this spot? Well, first of all, we are a, a church plant through Calvary Chapel, and that just simply means we are associated with Calvary Chapel. There's no financial connection. They don't tell us what to do. They don't give us any direction, but Calvary Chapel began in Costa Mesa, California in the mid-1960s, pastored by a guy named Chuck Smith. Chuck was uh, a denominational pastor for almost two decades, and he wasn't seeing God move at all in that area. And so he felt like he just needed to be done with ministry altogether, even though God called him into it. But as he was praying through this, he got the opportunity to to preach at this small church in Costa Mesa, California to about 25 people. So a small gathering, but what took place and you can look this up if you'd like to uh in the years to come with something called the jesus movement that at that time in southern california all these uh, hippies that were essentially seeking something through drugs and rock and roll and pleasure uh what they found is all those avenues were empty on every single uh, vice that they could get their hands on it did not produce anything that lasted until they ended up at calvary chapel and so by literally by the thousands Uh, These young hippies came to know Christ at this small church in Costa Mesa, California. And within years, they were baptizing uh, kids and young adults by the thousands on a Sunday afternoon during their once-a-month baptisms, which is this picture down here that you see with Pastor Chuck speaking. And so it was this very interesting dynamic, and even the beginning of contemporary worship music in churches. No church had actually experienced contemporary worship music until Pastor Chuck took some of these young hippies that just wanted to pour their heart out for Jesus and the way they wrote music. There was actually a movie that came out this last year called The Jesus Music, and so it's a cool uh, documentary about this change toward contemporary Christian music. So that is where we are associated with and how uh, they came about. And to this day, there are about 1,800 Calvary chapels spread from California all the way to the East Coast. Uh, Not very many in the Midwest here in the Bible Belt. There's a lot, uh, you know, a lot of need out there for sure, but there are not many Calvary chapels until really you get to Indianapolis or you get back over to Missouri where there's maybe 15 in the whole state. And so definitely a spot that God has placed us right in the middle of this, Uh, area of Coles County. Now, the way we got to a Calvary Chapel was in uh, 2015, uh, a little bit of my story. As we were uh, continuing through life in general, the the goal of my life up to that point had really been uh, how successful can I be? How uh, successful can I be in business and in life, and how can I, under the guise of providing for my family, how can I provide all of their needs and meet them all? And so, uh, at the age of 25, I became a vice president of a construction company, one of the larger ones in the area. By the time I was in my mid-30s, I was now a vice president of uh, Rule King, so a billion-dollar corporation. By all all outside views, it looked like I had made it. But the reality was uh, I was traveling all the time, constantly gone. My marriage was on the rocks. I barely saw my kids. And so, as a result... um, in order to turn to something, I turned to alcohol as a dependency. I, I needed some kind of an outlet. And so what began as just simply social then became a, a daily occurrence. In order to just get the, the pain, the feeling of failure out of my mind. And so that was, the, that was the spot that we were in. I'd become a functional alcoholic essentially by the time 2015 rolled around and miserable in my career. And so, in an effort to restart, we packed up our family, and I decided to go into business for myself. And we end up in this small town of Farmington, Missouri, because we were building a rule king there at the time. And So I made friends with a few business owners. We had this great idea for a business. Everything looked great. And then we packed up and we moved our three children and our little family to Farmington, Missouri. And as we're there, uh, two days into the business, I found out that uh, I had been lied to that the business I thought I was going to start and the finances they claimed to have uh, were not actually there. It looked good on the outside, but inside it was a far different story. And so now I'm in this spot where I've moved our family to a place three and a half hours away. We knew no one. The only people we did know were our uh, next door neighbors who I was in business with and soon to be out of business with. So a very tumultuous time. Uh, Needless to say, my dependency issues only got worse in this time. And so, for uh, Angela, she had began to take uh, Cameron, our oldest daughter, to homeschool PE. And she was, uh, we were homeschooling her, not knowing what the school systems were like. And so, she's at homeschool PE, and she begins to speak to some of the other moms. In case you don't know this about my wife, she uh, does not have a problem talking to people, very charismatic. Lots of ways, the opposite of me. So as she's speaking to these ladies about where they go and what they do, trying to just make some friends, they the topic of church comes up, and they mentioned that they attend this small Parkland Chapel. And uh, she comes home that evening and she asks if she could please, if we could all go together to church. To which I responded, No, I am not going to go to church. Thank you very much. I'm good. Uh, But after several weeks of her asking and prodding, I could tell this is something that meant a lot to her. It would give her some social interaction, get the kids out of the house. And so I agreed, reluctantly, to go to uh, this church, having never actually seen it before. As we pull in on that first Sunday, we pull into a gravel parking lot alongside a highway into two green, and I mean, there's a picture on the bottom left, ugly green buildings. It looked like a cult. I mean, there were no windows, or the windows didn't, you know, they weren't big, and it was right alongside the highway, and the children's church was in a different building than the regular church. I'm like, what in the world is going on? They're going to take our kids, and who knows what. So we went to first service where there was no children's church, just so we wouldn't have to send our kids uh, to children's church. But anyway, as we arrived in this little place, and maybe 40, 50 people gathered for first service, um, the pastor... Like I'd never seen before, he sat on a swivel stool, and he simply taught the Word of God. Psalm 87 was the first service I ever went to, and I'd never heard the Word spoken like that. I'd never heard it to where it was like a conversation. It was almost like we're talking through Scripture. He was explaining things only to me, and it completely blew my mind. Now, it didn't take care of uh, any of my problems, But it it blew my mind, and we went back the next week, and the next week, and the next week, it was Psalm 88 and Psalm 89, and eventually I had Angela uh, ask, because I didn't have the courage, the lady that invited us, hey, ask Dana if they're in some kind of sermon series or something, (laughs) to which the lady laughed, and she's like, yeah, you could say that. Um, We've been in Psalms for a year and a half. Like, that is a (laughs) big-time sermon series. I didn't understand expositional Bible teaching or going through the Word of God. I thought, well, this must be a series. And so what I found is that as uh, the man just simply taught the Bible simply, uh, God was beginning to change everything inside of me, completely unbeknownst to me. Now, arrive in uh, November of that year, we were in Psalm uh, 94, and at that time I was struggling trying to wrap things up with the business. It had gotten ugly at this point. Uh, Money, anytime money gets involved, usually things get really ugly really fast. And so we were in this argument about how to end things and who would get what, And I didn't have a job, so I mean, it really looked bleak at the time. And so, uh, Pastor Mike is in Psalm 94, and this is the first time I can remember God really speaking to me on a personal level. And in verse 12 of Psalm 94, he read, Blessed is the man whom you instruct and teach out of your law, that you may give him rest from the days of adversity. And then skipping down to verse 18, If I say my foot slips... Your mercy, O Lord, will hold me up. And in the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. I had no income. I had no business. And I knew that I had nowhere to turn. And at that point, what the Lord told me was, go home and sign the papers. I knew that in my email I had a a dissolution agreement. I was going to give up on the business sign away, at the time more money, and I thought we would have ever signed away and just walk away, and yet that's what the Lord told me to do. And I felt like he was saying, I'm going to take care of you. And so it was the first step of faith for me to go home. I went home immediately. I did not eat lunch. I went right down to my office. I printed those documents off. I signed them. I scanned them. I emailed them before I ever had a chance to think about it. But the Lord was working in our life tremendously. And where I ended up was in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7 Hebrews chapter 12 verse 7 says if you endure chastening God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom a father does not chasten in the words of Pastor Mike in my ear he said sometimes God uses ungodly people to discipline his children and I realized wait a minute if I'm being disciplined that means I'm his son He loves me enough to consider me one of his kids. And so for the first time, it really resonated uh, with me. Now, fast forward as God is uh, changing things in my life, uh, my dependency issues he supernaturally took away. Uh, I've shared that story with many of you, but uh, have not had a drop since uh, April of 2016. And in uh, the process, I got asked in May of 2016 if I would share my testimony now I'm terrified because here God's doing all this stuff, but I still don't know these people that well, and I've been asked to get up and share my testimony. What do people even know about me? Where do I start? And so I was praying, Lord, where do I start? And he said, answer the question, how did you get here? How on earth did you get to Farmington, Missouri? And the answer he gave me was, by the grace of God that it was the grace of God that picked us up that allowed us to be put in such a bad spot, seemingly from the outside, that my entire family was saved. And so I was able to share on May the 4th of 2016 that it was by the grace of God that we ended up in that place. And so I did that. The following day, May the 5th, was our oldest daughter's uh, birthday, and we were gonna take her uh, up to uh, campgrounds, to Yogi Bear campground next to Six Flags, and I was cleaning up the camper and just thinking about what had happened the evening before and, you know, how powerfully God moved uh, that night. It was on a Wednesday night, and as I'm cleaning the camper, I feel this tremendous uh, presence in the camper. And, and it felt like uh, warmth, and yet it felt holy is the best way to describe it. It was so powerful I couldn't stand, and I had to just get myself down on the floor of the camper. I knew that it was the presence of God. I knew it was the Holy Spirit was there and active. And the only thing I could say as I lifted my hands up was, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you tell me to go, I'm yours. Anywhere you call me, Lord, I just want to serve you. Wherever you tell me, whatever you tell me. And this is what he said. He said, feed my sheep. I said, yes, Lord, I'll feed your sheep. And he said it again, feed my sheep. Yes, Lord, I'll feed your sheep. I don't know what that means, but I'll feed your sheep. Feed my sheep. Five times he had to repeat it. I think because I'm thick-headed, he thought at some point I was going to forget, and so eventually uh, the pressure began to lift, and the presence lifted, but before it did, before he did, he left me there. He told me two things. He said, two years, and everything is going to change. And the second thing he said was, be prepared to move so now I'm like all wiped out. I had to look like I saw a ghost. I saw the Holy Ghost. And uh, I was pale. We get in the truck. I hadn't said a word to anybody. We get in the truck, the head with the camper up to St. Louis, and Angel says, are you all right? I'm like, yeah. I I begin to explain it to her, but I said, I I think I got called into ministry. And she said, yeah, I could see that. (laughs) I'm like, what? What do you mean you could see that? Nobody could see that. I'm a construction guy. Nobody puts a construction guy in ministry. This doesn't happen. Oh, yeah, I could kind of see that. <laughs> like, okay. So I shared with her. I said, I, I don't know what this means, but this is what he told me. Two years, everything's going to change and be prepared to move. So I'm guessing we're going to Africa. Maybe Asia. I don't know. You've got to be prepared. And she said, wherever you take us, we'll go. Wherever you head, you feel like the Lord has taken you, I'm right there with you. And so, we were preparing ourselves, and I knew I had a two-year window for some major change in our life, and I began to cram. At this point in time, I am cramming to learn as much as I can uh, until this time window had passed. Now, the only person I shared this with outside of my wife was with my pastor, who he uh, thankfully asked me in uh, January of 2017 if I'd be interested in beginning to teach the Bible And so I'm thinking a huge opportunity to get to teach the Bible. The only problem is I hadn't finished reading the book. Like, I just started reading the Bible. So now I'm scrambling because I feel like if I'm going to teach it, I better finish reading the whole manual before I get up there the first time. So in December, I finished reading the Bible. And in January, I got the opportunity to teach on Wednesday nights at Parkland Chapel. And you can see from the first message, the parable of the sower, I was just as clever then as I am now to seed or not to seed, very clever, Uh, but I got the opportunity to share. Somehow got through it without throwing up, and uh, God was so gracious. Now then fast forward through our lives as we continue to teach, always with this idea that there's a timer ticking, but never really knowing what God was up to, uh, we had the opportunity opportunity to pray about adopting a couple children. And so uh, I told my wife very clearly, look, I will pray about adopting a couple kids, As long as you understand we're not the ones to adopt, we're going to pray for a family to open up. Uh, To much to our surprise, uh, we were the ones. And so we had the opportunity to bring uh, Will and Brooklyn into our home, and as we sat there with the DCFS at the table and talked about the process of adoption, and it began with us fostering to adopt, before we uh, actually were able to officially adopt them, I remember this. She had this paper in her hand, and she had signed it, and she slid it across the table. And the date was uh, two years from the day that the Lord said, in two years, everything's going to change. And by the way, uh, if you've ever tried to go into a restaurant with six kids or eight of you instead of, uh, you know, just four, everything changes. And everything truly did change. You know, when you look at a a family dynamic, it changes um, the way you're perceived changes you get asked a lot of questions like don't you know what causes that thank you so much for that reassurance Uh, as you go in someplace, that's a real blessing but needless to say uh, everything changed and on uh, April uh, 19th of 2019 uh, Will and Brooklyn became official members of our family so there we are outside of the courthouse on adoption day now that still meant the issue of the Lord said be prepared to move was at hand so I thought well here's what God means we must need to move houses in Farmington and so we packed up our little family and we moved to a bigger house If we didn't all fit and I thought that I'd check that box that is until 2019 at the end of the year uh, rolled around now what uh, happened in 2019 is this Oh, excuse me, in 2018, let me go back, uh, we saw uh, I was ordained in October of 2018. Also, tremendous growth happened at Parkland Chapel. Remember the ugly buildings? So thankfully, we painted the ugly green buildings Brown, we actually added a building in between the buildings and another building behind to take care of all the kids. And this small fellowship of what was maybe 100 people on a good week uh, grew into 350 and then 400 people. And we added parking after parking after parking. And so we were seeing tremendous move by the Holy Spirit. And I became the assistant pastor there at Parkland Chapel. Now, fast forward to January of 2019, uh, at the end of that year, I had sent a random text that I do sometimes at the end of the year to my former boss, CEO of Royal King. He and I continue to become friends. And I'd been praying through this, and I really felt like God was telling me I needed to go and, and evangelize to uh, Alex Melvin. And so I sent him a little Christmas message, and he responded and asked if I had time for lunch in January of 2019. I thought, here's my opportunity. I'm going to get to go evangelize to the CEO of this company. This is awesome. And we, I arrived there at lunch that day. i have been praying all the way through how I was going to share, just getting everything lined up in my mind. And as we sit down, he leaned across the table and he said, man, I got something I got to tell you. In March of this last year, I accepted Christ. and I, I don't know exactly what to do from here. I'm like, well, crap, that was what I was going to do. Like, now I don't know what to do. I'm worried about you. I'm worried about me. But it was this awesome uh, lunch meeting where he just shared what God was doing in his life and, and what he was being convicted about inside this company and not knowing what to do culturally to turn things around, a business that was driven by profits and money. Now how do we drive things to where we actually care about people? So we ended the meeting there, and we, we transitioned our relationship into more of a, a friendship, discipleship, opportunity over the next several months to where in may of 2019 i'd sat down to meet with him again and he said you know i feel like the lord is telling me to offer you a job i said well thank you very much i have a job i have my own business now i don't really need a job but i will pray about that so thank you i came home i told Angela we were getting ready to go on vacation that next week i said hey uh, i've been offered this spot i'm not really interested but uh, would you pray with me about that as we head to florida on vacation to which she said, No, I'm not gonna pray with you about that. Like I don't I don't even think you can do that. I think you have to pray if I ask you if you'll pray. And she said, I, I we have a great thing going on here. I, I love where we're at. I don't wanna pray about going to Charleston and moving back because what if he says yes? And so eventually she prayed about that. And what happened over the next several months is we were praying about what God would do, his Uh, every project that we had as a construction company had an issue. Every single one had a problem. I mean, we could have withstood one or two problems, but literally out of nine or ten projects, they all had some kind of an issue that affected us financially. And then, because I'm, again, hard-headed, I thought, maybe God's trying to tell me something. Maybe he's telling me supernaturally that this is time uh, to be done with this season. And so in September of 2019, I took a position... Uh, Part time with Rule King and also closed down Ashley Construction throughout the remainder of the year, knowing that God was moving us back here. Again, not knowing exactly where or when or how. So we began to talk about this in September. Uh, what do we do about this church? You've been called into ministry. And we know that verse-by-verse Bible teaching definitely has a spot in Coles County. We feel like we have something to offer, and the Lord's directing us here. So maybe we're just supposed to start a church in the basement of our house. That, that's the way most Calvary chapels started. They started in someone's basement. And so, Lord, provide for us a house. That's what I'm praying about. Where are you going to tell us to live? You know what spot in town we we knew Charleston was the spot, but where? And so then he took me to Hosea, uh, chapter one. I know that's a spot you guys frequent a lot, probably. But I ended up in Hosea, chapter one, verse three. And the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet. I said Hosea. I meant Haggai. Haggai the prophet saying, "Is it to yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways." You have sown much and bring in little. You eat but you do not have enough. You drink but you are not filled with dr- you are, you drink but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. Thank you, Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, "Consider your ways. Go up to your go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified," says the Lord. And so what the Lord told me very clearly was, you find the church, I'll find you a house. Stop worrying about your paneled houses so much. And so I immediately put the brakes on looking for a house, and we began looking for a church to go to. And uh, within just a month or so, we wind up here on the property that is now Woodlawn Chapel. The Lord's house that had been sitting empty uh, for years. And so in December of 2019, we purchased this building only to after the fact for my pastor to say you know uh, no one that i know of in the history of church planning has ever bought a church before anyone ever showed up i'm like that would have been great if you would have told me that before i signed the contract thank you pastor he's like no no, i think it's a great step of faith i've just never before so needless to say god was good and what i proceeded to do was live in a camper right out here on the side of the church while i traveled back and forth between missouri mattoon to work and god even provided for the utilities to be paid for for this place because rural king didn't have to pay for a hotel they picked up the utilities on the building again god provided so as we now had a church uh, god provided a house for us just around the corner a few months later so we're now in the neighborhood he was good to his word always faithful to what he's about Uh, the issue came is uh, what about a worship team and I had tried to uh, plan and plot and figure out who to invite and who to ask, and every single door, it seemed, that had opened uh, got slammed shut. And so as the time was nearing, and it's now uh, August of 2020, and we planned, intended to have our first service in September, uh, no worship team. And so I began to think, look, we're going to hit play on YouTube videos, or you're going to get me singing, uh, sounded like some horrible classic rock singer. Like, it's not going to be good for anybody. But uh, what happened is my mother and father were at a campground, and thanks to COVID uh, shutting down the entire world, uh, Jake and Michaela Holt were playing at this little campground, just playing some worship music for a friend of theirs. And so they brought me a business for Jake, and my mom said, you might want to just reach out to them, just see if they'd be interested in talking to you sometime. And so we reached out. Thankfully, they answered the email. And we sat down and uh, met with them around our kitchen table. And I proceeded to talk to them, not asking them to come and be worship leaders because I didn't want to beg and seem desperate, but just say, Lord, would you please work in this? I said, we've got some open dates if you guys would be available to filling any of their openings. I said, well, wh- what kind of open dates you have? And I said, well, pretty much uh, all of the rest of this year, And then the following year, we don't have anybody pegged for anything. So there's a lot of open dates, but feel free to fill in any of those you would like to fill in. And uh, Jake graciously said, well, I'll pray about that. And uh, by Wednesday that following week, he said, "Uh, Michaela and I prayed about this, and we would really like to lead worship at Woodlawn Chapel. And uh, I was just blown away by God's graciousness and his goodness. And I cried the rest of the way to work because he was so good in the way he provided now, uh, the only issue is I'd never actually heard them play worship music before, <laughs> so thankfully, the next week they came and and uh we were praying, Lord, would you please just give us uh, a couple, a young couple preferably, and would you just uh, please help them not to suck? That was really our prayer like if if they could be if they could just not be terrible, so then when we showed up here and, and they said yes, again, we were just blown away like. Not only are they not terrible, they're fantastic. They're professional musicians. So uh, God knew that we needed, and he provided, again, uh, for a need. And so on September the 13th of 2020, uh, we had our first service here at Woodlawn Chapel. And to our surprise, people actually came. And uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says that uh, man plans his way, but God guides his steps. And so we we did that. We planned for September the 13th and said, Lord, uh, guide our steps. But here we are. We're planting literally a church in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, are you sure this is a spot for us to be? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, I love this series of verses, but what I drew out of this was that uh, following Jesus gives us the ability to leave everything, to live through anything, so that we and others can gain the greatest thing. That's what following Christ looks like. He gives us the ability. He empowers us to leave the comfort of our homes and our situations to be able to live through anything that could come at us so that not only others, but so that we too can experience the grace of God. And that's precisely what's happened so far through this first year and a half at Woodlawn Chapel. Now then, that got to this spot where we're in. Uh, Where then are we headed? What does it look like Uh, Looking back on this past year and then where are we going to be headed into the next year? Well, March of 2021, uh, what we saw is we had our first baptisms taking place at the church. Uh, When I shared a State of the Church address with you last year, I said, this baptismal behind me is going to be open. Hoping and praying that it would actually be open. This used to be a piece of drywall behind my head. It was all closed off and it looked kind of scary back there, an old green bathtub. And so thankfully the Lord's provided and now we have a beautiful newly finished white tub back there and it's all opened up and we were able to have several baptisms the last year with even hot water I might add and if I'm not careful not too hot a water we had a hot tub at one point in time so we figured out how to regulate things thankfully and then in April we had our first ever uh, agape feast. several of us gathered right here we moved the chairs out and on Good Friday we just came together and got to enjoy a meal together as we enjoyed a Good Friday service Then in July, we took the first uh, youth group to church camp, Camp Eagle Sky, down in southern Missouri. There's the girls all gathered together. And uh, the boys, it was not as good of a picture. But what we saw is uh, between leaders and youth, 21 people from Woodlawn Chapel, tiny little Woodlawn Chapel there at Camp Eagle Sky in Piedmont, Missouri. And the kids had a fantastic time. Top-notch church camp experience. Holy Spirit was moving all throughout the camp. And then in December, many of you were here just a few weeks ago, we had our first ever Christmas Eve services. And also in the midst of all this, I want to I be sure to point out uh, ministries that God provided for throughout. That in each step of the way, we, we only support a small group of ministries, uh, Bethlehem Christian Academy, which has uh, schools in Zambia that provide a Christian education as well as meals and clothing uh, for kids there in uh, northern and southern Zambia. Uh, We support uh, our good friend Daniel Messiah with Open the Gates Ministry. Daniel shared with you as they uh, speak to Muslims that are being converted to Christianity. So sharing the gospel with people of the Muslim faith. So a beautiful ministry there as well as uh, Standing Stone Ministries. So we're thankful for Miss Dawn and the opportunities we have on the north end of town to go and support uh, the food pantry as well as an opportunity for people to get clothing at a reasonable price. And so it's wonderful ministry, and you guys have been a big part of that. And then a Project Bible Runners, you've got a picture there of 35,000 Bibles all crammed in a container that's now on the ocean headed for Kenya. And so you guys have been a part of each one of these ministries all through your faithfulness. And so we continue to invest in what God is up to. That's, again, part of this being able to be nimble. When we see God is into a thing, we know we can invest into that. And so thankful to you guys in 2021 for being a part of that what then for 2022 as we uh, look forward 2021 saw uh, wonderful things happening and what i believe we're going to see is uh, acts 2 verse 47 says that uh, continually the church was added to it's going to look like that there's going to be continual additions uh, to this body it may not look like huge numbers but what you're going to see is people coming to know the word of god people getting to know the God of the Word, being invested in. There are so many opportunities just in the community surrounding this place to be able to invest in people and see them come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so praying that God continues to do that. From a practical standpoint, we're looking to uh, carpet the downstairs fellowship area. Hopefully, it's going to add to a way better sound environment down there. I know it's a little painful at times when we gather, and so we're looking to carpet that now that the basement's been dry for nearly a whole year, a little bit of water, but nothing too much. And so the uh, kitchen is now close to being uh, finished out, and we hope that continually be a place where ministry can happen. That's really what we're looking to do is ministry and fellowship taking place down there. And then fellowship opportunities, whether it be our monthly communion meals or we're looking forward to a Super Bowl event coming up again here in February, continually investing in people and inviting folks on the outside. Now, from a spiritual standpoint, again, as I was praying through what the Lord had laid on my heart uh, as the church opened, especially in the middle of a pandemic, like, what are you doing here, Lord? There's all these churches closing, excuse me, not clothing, closing, And you want us to open a church, of all things. But the answer he gave me back was, I'm purifying my bride. (laughs) That he is actually bringing about purification into the church. And the, the truth is, for many, there's lots of excuses not to come to church and why not to go, it's easier online, or I just don't feel like going, or I've been hurt by church. But over and over again, those that are coming and committed, it's a purification process. He's bringing about purity as we become more and more like him. So, in praying through what word he might have for us in 2022, uh, I was hoping for a word like uh, love or joy or peace, and instead he gave me this last week the word perseverance. He said, I want you to continue to persevere. And two spots in scripture that we'll go before we wrap up Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. This is as Jesus is writing a letter through the pen of the Apostle John in Revelation 3 to the church in Philadelphia. He says, Because you have kept my commandment to persevere you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Persevere is the word the Lord has given us to keep us from the hour of trial. Now, the other words he gave to the church or the direction he was giving to the church in Philadelphia in this section, I won't take up a bunch of time, but if you look at verse 8 specifically, what you see is he says to the church, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Three things he communicates there to this small church in Philadelphia. First of all was I've opened a door. I've opened a door to share the gospel. For each and every one of you, he has opened a door for ministry to take place. He has opened a door to share with people. The second thing you note in verse 8 is he says you have little strength. That is actually an encouragement, and here's why. We, apart, we are not strong. Together we are. In Christ, we are strong. A lack of strength means we have to rely upon Jesus for our strength. Oftentimes, when we get in the middle of a situation, we can feel like, I don't know where to turn. I feel so so helpless. That's right where Christ wants us because the one we have to turn to is him who has all the strength. He controls the entire universe. He has it all in his hands. So the final thing he shares in that verse 8, he says, you have kept my word and not denied my name. I want to encourage you to not deny the name of Jesus. I've shared with you before, it is powerful. You can speak about God, you can speak about spiritual things, but I want to encourage you when you're in a conversation, feel free to share the name of Jesus. It's powerful. Don't believe me? Drop that thing in a conversation and see what kind of reaction it gets. You'll find people will back up, their eyes will open, but there'll be others that are eager, willing to receive. Tell me more. Why can you speak like that? How can you say things in in this way so do not deny the name of jesus be faithful to it and he'll be faithful to you and then finally it's perseverance continue to just do what you do day in and day out oftentimes we can get bogged down when we persevere i don't feel like i'm doing any good i feel like i'm spinning my wheels and what jesus told me this week was persevere keep going keep pressing and the last place i'll take you in Scripture is specifically on perseverance. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Paul writes, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. I know all of you love to glory in tribulations. That part's fun. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Because of tribulations and challenges, we have an opportunity to persevere. But we don't persevere just for the sake of perseverance. Continue on. And perseverance produces character and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Perseverance produces hope. And the truth is, folks, as we interact with people, most of them lack hope. They turn to all kinds of things, whether it's their phone or drink or a drug or a pill or TV, whatever they're turning to, they're turning to because they just want to shut it off. They don't have hope. I can tell you when I struggled with dependency, it was because I did not have any hope that it could be any better. This is as good as it's ever going to get. And so there was no hope. But in the midst of perseverance, of striving, of pressing into Christ Jesus, allowing Him to be our strength, in this spot we can have hope, and we are it. We are the only hope light that exists in this dark place. And so even a small light lights up an entire room. You can have hope as you persevere. And the word that Paul uses here for hope, I think it's important to point out, it means blessed assurance. It is a promise of things to come. Hope like I hope I get a cheeseburger today for lunch. Like that, that's not that kind of hope. It's a hope like I know my dad already has things taken care of. I know that someday there's something better, that I am here for only a short period of time. Thank you, Lord, for putting me here in this spot. Let me be a light while I still have time. That's the kind of hope that we can be in 2022. And so, Father God, we thank you, praise you for what you're up to. We thank you for giving us the ability to persevere. Lord, we thank you for a hope that does not disappoint a hope that is blessed assurance. Father, would you continue to impress that upon us as we're in the midst of our situation? Because it sounds really good on Sundays to talk about perseverance until Monday shows up. And it feels like Groundhog Day all over again, Lord. We need you. Please be our strength. We have little strength. And yet we will not deny your name. Lord, help us. Give us the ability to persevere and cling to the name of Jesus. Your very name means Jehovah is salvation. Thank you so much for the promise of salvation that we know that we have a future and a hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. I almost forgot, we're taking communion. So feel free to come up. Uh, by yourself or with your family and grab a communion cup and we'll celebrate together
1: Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand and start to fall and all those lonely roads that I have traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching in the healing and the hurting like a blessing buried in the broken pieces every minute every moment where i've been where I went, even when i didn't know it or couldn't see it there was jesus For this man who needs amazing kind of grace. Forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. There was Jesus. Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment Where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know it or couldn't see it There was Jesus on the mountain In the valleys. Jesus. In the shadows of the alleys Jesus. In the fire, Filled in the flood There was Jesus it isn't always worse No, I never walk alone You were always there There was Jesus. There was Jesus.
0: In Matthew uh, chapter twenty-six, as Jesus gathered around there with his disciples the evening before he gave his life for each and every one of us. He took the bread and he took the cup. And what we're told here in verse 26, we're eating, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. And so Father, we thank you and we pray a blessing over this. We pray a blessing over our lives. We recognize you as our Savior, and we thank you so much for the breaking that you endured, for the for the heartache and the pain that you persevered through, so that we might have hope. Lord, we take this and we we do this in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. On that same evening, he took the cup. And he gave thanks, and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the remission of sins. But I say to you that I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day and when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for the blood that you spilled out on our behalf. We thank you again for the sacrifice you made. Thank you even for the promise that you will not again drink of this cup until we have the opportunity to drink it together with you in the kingdom, and you're going to present the cup of joy. Father, we thank you, and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name. Verse 30 of Matthew 26 says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So let's stand and sing a hymn together.
1: Got on my knees again Gotta am begging please again i need you oh i need you walking down the stairs a oh, rope, water for my thirsty soul i need you oh i need you your forgiveness Is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips The sound of symphony to my ears Is like holy water on my skin dead man walking slave to sin I want to know about being born again I need you oh God I need you so take me to the riverside take me unbaptized I need you oh God I need you oh your forgiveness is like sweet Sweet honey on my lips Like the sound of symphony to my ear. It's like holy water on my skin I don't want I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse Your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing It's like sweet, sweet, sweet honey, honey on, on my, my lips. lips. Yes, it is the like the sound and of the symphony the to my ears. Throat. It's like holy water, yes. your forgiveness. Oh, it's like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. Like the sound of symphony. It's like holy water on my skin. It's like holy water on my skin. It's like holy water. And the church says, "Amen."
0: Amen. All right, praise the Lord. Thank you, guys.